0: Uh, supposed to have been probably Israelites spying on them and so the two spies were under pressure to hide and they looked for a place and they ended up hiding at a harlot's house. I suppose if you're a spy that might seem like a, a good place to go and maybe a little less conspicuous and nonetheless God had had it in plan for them to go there and Joshua 2 and verse 8 says before they were laid down she she hid them up on the roof to hide them from from the the people of Jericho, and before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof, and she said unto them, unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you, when ye came out of Egypt, and what he did, ye did unto all the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sion, and Og, and whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. This is quite a statement from someone who is from Jericho, from someone who is a harlot in Jericho. It sounds to me like she believes in their God. And verse 12: Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house, and give me a true token, and that ye will save alive my father, my mother, my brethren, and my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. And the man answered her, Our life for yours, if ye utter not this our business. And it shall be, when the Lord shall give us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window. For her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may ye go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, oath which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land that thou thou shalt bind this scarlet thread in the window. Which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father, and thy mother, and thy brethren, and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever sh- shall be with thee in the house, and his blood shall be upon our head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, according unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet line in the window. When I've read this passage, <clears throat> I've read, I've noticed that in verse 15, it's called a cord. And then in verse 18, it's called a scarlet thread, a line of scarlet thread. And verse 21 again. A scarlet line. So you have a cord, a scarlet thread, a scarlet line. And I noticed that it's interesting that it kind of uses three different words to describe it. But obviously the color of it was scarlet. And then just recently I read from the late Henry Morris, a devotional that he had written concerning the word line. And I noticed it's called a scarlet line in verse 21, and it's called a line of scarlet thread in verse 18. And what he pointed out was, is that it's unusual because that word line comes from a Hebrew word called tikvah. Not that you have to know that. But what's interesting is, is the translators, when they translated it into English, they chose to use the word line in this passage. But after this passage, when you read tikvah, in the Old Testament, you'll read it translated as hope, and so really, it's the same. It literally is the same thing as saying scarlet hope. The line was hope. Sometimes the law of first mention is 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 used to describe things. In other words, the first time the Bible describes something, you can kind of take that as the as the foundational de- uh, definition of the word. So in this case the line is the hope. Now, is it just a coincidence that it happens to be scarlet? And we were in Sunday school this morning and I was talking to the boys that were up here a minute ago about the color of red on the song that we were singing. And I said, what does that color represent? And of course the children know because they've heard it before. It represents the blood of Christ. It is not a coincidence that she just happened to have a scarlet cord. Of all the color cords you could have had to let guys out of a window with. It just happened to be scarlet. And they said, now we're going to keep a promise to you. If you keep your mouth shut and don't tell anybody in Jericho what we're, what we're doing here, uh, we promise that if you'll tie this scarlet line, this scarlet hope in the window, And you won't leave the house, but you'll stay in the house. If anybody's outside the house, it's on them. But if they're in the home, and the Bible says the home was on the wall, then it will be on us if anything happens to your family. And if you know the story, they marched around the city of Jericho seven times, and and the last day seven times in a row, and then the walls fell down. But apparently, there's one little section of the wall that didn't fall down. And it had a scarlet line on it. And it happened to be a harlot's house. I just love the way the Bible's written. I love the fact that we sang only a sinner saved by grace. You know, I love the fact that it, that it is a harlot. I love the fact that she's a harlot. You know why? Because it reminds us that that's, that's, that's okay with God. God can take people in their past and change their life. So first of all, I want to point out Rachel's faith. And I said Rachel, and it should be Rahab, and that was a misprint on my behalf this morning. I looked at it and thought, what am I saying, Rachel? Anyhow, Rahab's faith, sorry about that. Rahab's faith. And Rahab the harlot's faith in this line of hope, this scarlet hope. So we see here, number one, Rahab's faith, the blood of the Lamb. If you were in my Sunday school class last week, we talked about the fact that from the Garden of Eden there has been bloodshed. From the Garden of Eden, something innocent died. See, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, there had to be coats for them. They made fig leaf aprons. Remember that? But God didn't God didn't okay that. And God made them coats. Out of skins. Well, there's Adam and Eve, so what kind of skins then is he talking about? Animal skins. God killed some animals, and there was bloodshed in the Garden of Eden. When you get to chapter 4 of Genesis, you see that Cain and Abel offered offerings, and one was acceptable. Abel's offering was Why? Because it was the sacrifice of a lamb, more bloodshed. You get to Genesis 22 and you see Abraham being told by God to take his son Isaac and offer his son as an offering upon Mount Moriah. And what is that? It is a picture of the Lamb of God because the Bible says that Abraham was going to kill his own son, but then God stopped him and they looked behind him. There was a ram, a male lamb caught in the thicket. And that male lamb was the substitute for Isaac. What a picture of, of salvation. Then, of course, when you get to Exodus chapter 12, Moses and Joshua and the people were told to take the blood of an innocent precious lamb and smear it over the doorposts and on the top of the doors of their homes. And I believe that probably Rahab knew about that too. Probably if she knew about the crossing of the Red Sea and she knew about what happened to Egypt, I'm just going to just guess that she probably heard that that's how they left was the blood of the lamb over their door. And all I know for sure is, is that when you get to Joshua chapter 2, it says in verse 9, I know, Joshua 2, 9, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. Verse 11, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Does this sound like someone who doesn't believe in their God? No, this is someone who was willing to lie, and I'm not endorsing lying, but she was willing to risk her life to tell those guards they're not here. And she she risked her life to save these two spies from Israel and to and to receive a blessing and a promise from them that if she would trust in the scarlet core, maybe down the road, you know, the next day, why do you have that scarlet line tied in the window, Rahab? Oh, just because. Just felt festive today. I don't know what she said. All I know is this, is that their family was saved because of something scarlet tied to the window. And I do believe, obviously, that is a picture of the blood of Christ the blood of the lamb the lamb of god so first of all we see rahab's faith secondly we have rahab's family now i think this is where it gets a little more neater i don't think that's the way, right way to say it but i think this this is neater because in genesis excuse me, joshua chapter six it starts to get interesting for me it says in joshua six and verse 25 after the walls fell down flat And Joshua had instructed to the spies, he said, you guys know who she is. You go in there, you find her, and you make sure that her and her parents and whoever else is there are brought out safely, and they did. In Joshua chapter 6 and verse 25, Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive. Oh, by the way, interesting play on words. Did you know that Joshua in the Old Testament is transliterated from Joshua, it's transliterated Jesus And Joshua saved Rahab. The word Jesus and Joshua are the same word, same name. It's just that the New Testament is coming from Greek instead of from Hebrew. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho and so she is saved in the most unusual way the bible does not teach a work salvation but her faith was demonstrated by her works we know that as i've already said the fact that she risked her life to save these two spies was interesting but what i want to point out next is that rahab's family in the line of hope we have rahab's faith in the line of hope but i want you to see rahab's family <coughs> You can turn over to Ruth chapter 4 if you would. Ruth chapter number 4. Just a few pages. Joshua, Judges, Ruth. <clears throat> In Ruth chapter 4, we see not only Rahab's faith, but now Rahab's family. You see, when you have faith, you get a new family. If you're born again, you are born into a new family. Did you know that Rahab is not Rahab the harlot today? Now, she was Rahab the harlot. And for the sake of identification, she is almost always referred to in the Bible as Rahab the harlot, especially if it's in the context of before she was saved and taken out of uh, Jericho. But Rahab the harlot got a new family. Oh, her family was rescued as well, her parents and uh, her brothers and sisters, but she had a new family. Rahab the harlot has a new family in this line of hope. And what the spies were saying is, you, you are one of us now. You tie this scarlet thread, and you prove that you're one of us now. You trust in this scarlet thread, and that's what she had to trust in. Just like the people in Egypt had to trust in the lamb's blood over the door, she had to trust in a scarlet thread over her window as a sign that she trusted in what they had said and in Ruth chapter 4, Ruth is only four chapters. And Ruth is a kind of an odd story, but it's a story about these people that they were Hebrews, they were Israelites, and it was a famine, and they were scared and they were afraid because, you know, they were running out of food, and so they decided to go to Moab. wasn't a good idea to go to Moab, but they decided to go to Moab. and And so they left their home. Their home was a place called Bethlehem. You might have heard of that place before, but that's where they used to live, in a place called Bethlehem thousands of years before Jesus was born at least a thousand and and so they they go from Bethlehem to Moab which is not one of God's places, it's outside of Israel and they think that they can get rescued by being in Moab, not only do they go to Moab but then they allow their boys to marry Moabite girls, bad idea the Bible tells us and teaches us that we have a family from which we should have our boys and girls get married from and so the This husband and wife, uh, Limelech and Naomi, they decided to allow their sons to get married to Moabite girls. After all, they're in Moab now. What are they going to do? It's because they're not where they're supposed to be. Anyway, they get married. And both boys die. Both boys die prematurely, obviously. In fact, dad dies. Now it's just widow Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws who are also widows. The one daughter-in-law stays home, but Naomi and Ruth go back to Bethlehem. And when they go back to Bethlehem, Ruth starts to glean. That means she just goes out in the field and she starts to just gather just the leftovers of grain that have fallen, and she would just glean. And that's what the law of the land, God set it up, that the poor people could come behind and just gather up the, the leftovers and the, what was left behind in the farming, and they would just take the gleaning, and they would just reap after the harvesters and and take whatever they could and and off of the ground, and they would take it home, and that's what they would live on and so Ruth was doing that, and this owner of the field comes out one day and he rides out on his donkey or whatever and and he looks down and here's this woman, and she's gathering just the handful of leftovers and she's different she's different first of all, because she's from Moab, secondly, because she's just different in fact. Ruth told Naomi, my God is your God. Your God is my God. I'm, I'm a Moabite. I was born a Moabite, but I, I believe in your God. And Ruth meets this Boaz guy. This Boaz looks down, and, and Boaz, let me just throw this in. It's not necessarily in the text, but let's just say it this way. Cupid shot him. Ding! Little hearts are floating out. He likes Ruth. And so he tells his guys, you, on purpose, I want you to drop some of the grain. When you're picking up and you're gathering on purpose, once in a while, just spill one of the bushels. Because he finds out that Ruth is Naomi's daughter-in-law, widowed, and he's a relative of of Naomi. Naomi and, and Boaz are relatives. Make a long story short, they got married. Boaz married Ruth, a Moabite, a widowed Moabite from a relative of his. And it says in Ruth chapter number four, it it, it talks about the lineage of Naomi and the lineage of Boaz. And it says, and I'll just pick it up in verse number 19, and Hezron begat Ram, and Ram begat Amminadab, and Amminadab begat Naishan, and Naishan begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. Well, well, that's interesting, but pastor, what in the world does that have to do with Rahab, the harlot? Well, if you go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, you'll find out that Salmon, at the end of Ruth there, that guy Salmon, Salmon married Rahab. And their son's name was Boaz. Now, do you know why Boaz wasn't so worried about a Moabite who trusted in the true God? Because he had a mother who did. His mother was Rahab the harlot who trusted in the true God. And so it wasn't hard for Boaz to think of Ruth as being someone who, who, yeah, was born not a believer, not a Christian, and none of us are born Christians, right? And born not a believer, but was wanting to believe and trust in the true God. And so it was no problem for Boaz to marry Ruth because it was his own mother Rahab the harlot who married Salmon. You can see that in Matthew 1. And here's what I think is really cool about that. This is even neater. This is even neater, neater. Because if you notice at the end of Ruth chapter 4 Rahab had Boaz Boaz married Ruth and they had a guy named Obed and Obed had a a, I think I lost my power there Daniel Jesse had a son named David David was the king of Israel now hold on a second the king of Israel comes from Ruth the Moabite and Rahab the harlot. Mm -hmm. See, if I'd have wrote this story, I'd never write it that way. And then when you get to Matthew chapter 1 and you read Matthew chapter 1, and and in Matthew chapter 1, God's not even ashamed to tell you this. Matthew chapter 1, this is how it's listed. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. It says what I just told you, only this is the only time you don't have Rahab the harlot. It says, verse 5, And Solomon begat Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias, and Solomon begat Rehoboam. And And what's amazing to me is, in the Matthew chapter 1 passage, you get all the way down to Jesus, through the side of Joseph, And what I find fascinating is that on purpose, God doesn't mention the wives. He doesn't mention the mother's names except for those questionable mothers. The ones that have a risque and a questionable past. On purpose, he mentions that Boaz had his son Obed by Rahab and that and, and that, or excuse me, by, but Boaz was the son of Rahab. And that Boaz had his son by Ruth. And that they were then the grandparents of Jesse and David the king. All the way down to Jesus. It's almost as if on purpose God is saying, I don't mind that Rahab the harlot and Ruth the Moabite is in my lineage. Now obviously Joseph wasn't really the father of Jesus. But the point is, is that Jesus, his legal lineage through joseph comes through these people as a matter of fact you go way back and you'll see that actually mary the mother of jesus comes through the same line as well from a different branch what i'm trying to tell you is is that rahab's family became god's family and and notice the only time in the bible that rahab isn't called rahab the harlot is right here because she's a part of god's family did you know that Rahab's not the harlot today? I said that earlier. She's not a harlot today. She wasn't a harlot after she married Salmon. She was a harlot, and she was known as Rahab the harlot. But the point is this, is that the scarlet hope changed all that. When she trusted in the scarlet hope, the blood of Christ, and we didn't just sing the only a sinner saved by grace. We also sang about the blood of the lamb. We also heard I'm redeemed. These four boys sang a minute ago, I'm redeemed by the blood of the lamb. The scarlet hope is then our hope. You see, Rahab's faith and Rahab's family is also our only hope too. Our hope is, her hope is our hope. The only hope we have is in the scarlet line. If you, if you talk to someone about salvation, you've got to remember one thing. You've got to remember to tell them it's through the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. There is no other way. There is no other other way that we can trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and the trust in the hope of his salvation. There is a guy, his name is John MacArthur. He's a very popular preacher out in California. He said it didn't take the blood of Jesus to save us. John MacArthur says other things that are a problem too. He said those who persevere will be saved. Wrong. The blood has always been important. And just like there's a scarlet line in the story of Rahab, there's a scarlet line that starts in the beginning and goes all the way to Revelation. In fact, someone in describing the church history has written a book called The Trail of Blood. Notice the line. There is a scarlet line that runs throughout the beginning to the end and that we are all connected to it. If you're saved, you and I are part of the same family. And the same family is connected by that scarlet line. And that scarlet line is our scarlet hope. This hope is only by his grace. I want to show you some things about the hope of Jesus Christ. First of all, let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. <clears throat> Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 6 says now, 16, sorry, says now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God even our Father which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. It wasn't because, how can I say this? It wasn't because she tied the scarlet line to the window. It's because she trusted in it. And because she trusted in it, she tied it to the window. But it wasn't her works that saved her. It was her faith, and it was by grace. The hope of salvation is a grace, not a work. Now, if you were to read in Ephesians chapter 2 where it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 10 says, We are created unto good works. See, Rahab the harlot was no longer a harlot after she got saved. And so it was the fact that God saved her and changed her that she started to produce different works. And those works started the night that she had opportunity to do something good for those spies. Not only is it a gracious hope, but it's a living hope or a lively hope. 1 Peter chapter one and verse three. 1 Peter chapter one. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now let's just stop and think for a minute. There is no lively hope if he didn't rise from the grave. If Jesus Christ didn't resurrect from the grave, then we don't have any hope. And you say, but but when Rahab was alive, Jesus hadn't even died yet. The Bible says from the foundation of the world, his blood was already slain. I know that's hard for us to understand, but we need to understand that every person who is saved today is saved by trusting in the same person, the hope, the Lord Jesus Christ, that scarlet hope. Not only is he a living hope, but then also I want you to understand that it's a patient hope. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 24. Romans eight twenty-four says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope, but for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? Now let's be honest. It can be hard to be patient. If you're a Christian who is trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, your patience might be wearing thin. Because it seems to be getting better and better instead of gooder and gooder. There seems to be more of them than there is of us. That's true. And so it's a patient hope. You know, sometimes I talk to people about Jesus, and I talk to them about salvation, and I think to myself, wow, this story seems so long ago. I wonder if they would believe it. And I'm always amazed when they do. I I don't have, like, video, you know? I can't, like, show them video documentary. I just have old words on paper. And you know what? The bloodline runs all the way through the book. It's a blood-bought book. It's a bloody book. And patiently we teach the same thing over and over again. We teach our young people, we sing songs to help them understand. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Revelation chapter 1 tells us that we are cleansed by the precious blood of the Lamb. That our sins are washed by the blood of Christ. I don't care if John MacArthur's popular... He is a heretic if he downplays the blood of Jesus Christ. He, he said, oh, so if he pricked his finger, ha, 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 that blood saves people? Come on, man. I don't care if you're popular. You're wrong. But listen, we have to patiently wait for the coming of the Lord. We have to be patient in what we know is true from the word of God. And just as those people who trusted in the blood over their doorposts in Egypt they just had to patiently wait to show God's way is right. Trust him. And just as people might have said, Rahab, why do you have this line out your, door, out your window? What's this scarlet line for? It's my scarlet hope. And I'm not ashamed of the blood of the lamb. I, as a young, younger Christian, I used to wonder, as a younger person, I used to wonder, I wonder what visitors think. When they open up the book and they read, There is power, power, wonder, we're in the precious blood of the Lamb. And are you washed in the blood? There is a fountain filled with blood. All these bloody songs. Why do we sing about blood? That's just weird. I mean, that's weird. Until you know what it's about. It's not weird. And we shouldn't be ashamed of the blood. Oh, by the way, do a little test. Listen to Christian radio. And count how many times you hear the blood mentioned. But those of us who have hope, we patiently wait. We know there's only one way that works, and that's the scar. But what if she'd have tied a green cord? She'd have been in trouble. What if she'd have substituted it for, I mean, scarlet line looks long. How about scarlet curtains? No, it had to be exactly what they said. Scarlet hope. I want you to see something else before we're done. First John chapter 3. Verse 1, 1 John 3, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is, and every man, or woman, every one that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. You know why I know Rahab wasn't a continual har- harlot? Because when you have this hope, you want to be pure. And God would not have allowed her to be a part in his lineage if she had continued to be a harlot. And this is the difference between Bible Christianity and today's Christianity. Today's Christianity sounds like this. You can have Jesus and be a harlot. There's a different message there. Well, I'm not saying that people who have problems are instantly, you know, freed from every problem immediately. The point is this, though. Once you're saved, change starts to begin. Once you are saved, there is a change and a desire to change and the power to change that starts to begin. Because it says, every man that hath purified himself. Now, you're looking at somebody who's still a sinner. But as time progresses, I'm not the same sinner I used to be because of salvation and because of purification that God is doing in my life. And if we get to heaven, we're going to meet Rahab. I don't think, well, I might be wrong, but I don't think that the sign above her address is going to say Rahab, the harlot's house. But on the other hand, she might be, she might say, no, go ahead and put it up there. Because I want people to know, I used to be, but look where I am. And not only look where I am, look who my grandchild was. And my great great And look who came from them. That's what the scarlet line does for you. She might even get teary eyed and say, you know why? The scarlet hope. The blood of the lamb that saved me, a sinner. And then also, Titus chapter 2 verse 13, the Bible says, looking for that blessed hope. It's a blessed hope. I am not a prophet, I don't, I don't want to make any kind of predictions or anything like that, but I do think on purpose that the world's getting darker so that the coming of Jesus is all the more bright. I do believe on purpose that God is allowing this world to get worse so that those of us who are saved recognize the blessed hope is not the next election, but the blessed hope is the return our lamb the lamb of God the blessed hope is Jesus Christ not politics the blessed hope is Jesus the lamb of God not two dollars a gallon again oh I don't mind having two dollars a gallon again that'd be nice it's a lot better than five but you know what that's not the blessed hope the blessed hope is when he comes back and her blessed hope was waiting for him. The world literally crumbled all around her. The world, her entire world, literally was destroyed all around her. She came through with flying colors. One main color, dark scarlet. And then, lastly, concerning hope, it's the theme song, It's the theme verse for our Wednesday night program. Which hope? Talking about Jesus, we have. As the anchor of our soul. The scarlet line is attached to the anchor of our soul, Jesus Christ. Rahab, why are you flying that thing out your window? It's the anchor of my soul. It's attached to the one who is the anchor, Jesus Christ, the anchor. That's why it's called Anchor Club. Because the hope of Christ is the anchor of our soul. And we have a hymn, we didn't sing it today, but it goes like this. In times like these, you need an anchor. In times like these, you need a savior. I'll tell you what. Every week I read the news and I think to myself, I cannot believe I live in Looney land. I cannot believe the nuts out there, the crazies. I cannot believe what we've settled for as good because we're so used to blah that anything that isn't quite blah is good. And I'm, I'm just like, blah. But I'm so glad I'm tied to the anchor. Maybe somebody says, I know you. You are Rahab the harlot. And I can't think of, there's hardly anything worse you could say about a lady than to say that she's a harlot. Can I encourage you to say, yeah, that was the old me. But ever since that scarlet cord, there's a new me. And there isn't just, it's not like God, and that's why I love Matthew chapter 1, because it's not like God. All right, you're have the harlot, so, I mean, we'll, we'll let you in, but we'll just kind of keep it hush-hush who you are. No, she's in the lineage of King David and Jesus himself. I'd have never wrote it that way. But you know why God did? To encourage all of the other Rahabs out there, to encourage us to understand, you're still going to have to live up to the fact that that's what you were. But what a what a billboard you are for God! What an advertisement you are for Jesus! That He doesn't mind being in your family, and you being in His family. What an awesome thing! And it's all because of that scarlet hope. That scarlet hope. Some people are trusting in the green hope. They gave a lot of green stuff to church. And they expect the preacher to say something nice about them. Some people are trusting in some other kind of hope. There's only one hope, and that's the scarlet hope. It's not of ours, none of ourselves, it's all of him. Not by works which we have done. But only because of him. Praise God for Rahab, the former harlot, and our scarlet hope. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray that I and you were encouraging to someone today, that there is someone out there today that realizes that, yeah, there's, there's certainly a sinful past, but because of him I have a scarlet hope. And not only do I have a scarlet hope, I can have a beautiful future still. And thank you, God, for that. And it's just like you to, to have Salmon, Mary, Rahab, and, and they have a son named Boaz who takes an interest into a girl named Ruth. Lord, help us to continue to see that. We don't want to see any more harlot practice. We don't want to see more Moabite false idol worship. That's not what we want, but we want to see people who used to be there that recognize that they still have a future through the scarlet line. And may it humble and cause us to repent, those of us who are proud of maybe our record rather than grateful for the scarlet line because when we get to heaven there's only one way in and it's all through that same scarlet line doesn't matter if we're the Rahabs or the thieves on the cross we're all saved the same way and help us to be aware of people who downplay the blood of Christ it is the theme of the Christian life and Lord we thank you for that blessed scarlet line